All right, welcome back to the marketing automation discussion where we showcase what is working with marketing and sales automation with today's tools and channels. Today, we're going to focus on sales automation, connecting sales and marketing flows with tools and processes to increase revenue with less human bandwidth. My guest today is Dan Smith. Now, Dan is a SaaS sales specialist. He's a coach, he's a trainer, and the partner um, of Winning by Design, which he and his team are focused on helping SaaS teams through implementation of sales processes. Uh, Dan, are you there? Happy to be here. Super excited to get started. Thanks, Alex. All right. So what we've suggested and what we proposed back and forth a little bit before the call, we have a scenario that we want to run through. This is a scenario that I've been involved in a few times, and it helps us kind of paint the picture and give everyone some real context to what we're about to talk about. So the hypothetical we're going to introduce, this scenario is Dan is a new VP of sales for XYZ SaaS company. I will play the VP of marketing at the same company. We have a few virtual SDRs, uh, sales development reps, and an inside sales team. The company has been using a very old CRM build and has been doing a combination of cold emailing and paid search engine marketing and social media marketing to generate leads. The way the flow worked prior to Dan and I coming on board is a hypothetical scenario where marketing would create a new campaign. Marketing would go ahead and procure data from a third party like Zoom Info. Marketing would start a combination of cold emails and advertising. Respondents to these emails would be filling out either demo requests or actually replying to the cold emails. From there, it would pass over to sales by way of a general sales at inbox, meaning all of the demo requests would go into the sales at inbox and all of the replies to the cold email campaigns would go into the sales at inbox. The SDRs from there would actually log into the same inbox and go through qualifications. So replying to the demo requests via email and once they are qualified, the demo request prospects, then the SDRs would put those prospects into the account executive schedule to receive a demo of the software. After the demo, for those who did not buy, the AEs would set alerts in their CRM to go ahead and follow up. Now, these prospects have an average contract value of $6,000 annual. It's 500 bucks a month. Hopefully, you can apply this to your business. Dan, what about that scenario? What if the way this flow is working kind of makes you cringe? So I think the key thing that I'm unpacking with this scenario is that when customers come to us requesting a demo, they are ready to talk. They want us to reach out to them, have a conversation. And this flow right now seems it's like a little bit bulky. And it also can cause some bad behaviors from the salesperson where they will pick and choose who they want to respond with. So there's a couple of things in here that I would like to change. The biggest one is when salespeople reach out to the customer, our role is to not pitch or do a demo. Our role is to help them solve a problem. So that would be the mindset that I want to go into when I'm talking about this hypothetical situation. Got it. Okay, that's perfect. So now we have a hypothetical that we're going to discuss. Dan's mentioned the mindset and how he likes to approach this. So this helps us back into the question of today, which is what are the keys to sales and marketing alignment? This is a huge problem. And it gets bigger and bigger as your average sale value goes up. Now, we have a hypothetical, but Dan, why don't you just talk about what sales and marketing alignment means? I think historically, the issue of not being aligned came down to marketing was responsible for getting quantity of leads 
and sales was responsible for revenue. And I think most companies today are realizing to drive alignment, the goals need to be aligned. And in this case, it's what is right for the business. Now, from all cases, we know as a sales profession that we don't want to work leads that aren't going to be a good fit. But from the marketing's perspective, they say, I'm passing over all of these leads and salespeople don't follow up. So now that is the fundamental mindset that those two teams have is that they don't quite trust each other. So the way to fix that is to make sure that everybody is aligned exactly on the methodology, process, and handoff between certain stages so that we don't start fumbling those handoffs, make the customer feel uncomfortable, and worse, have a really bad conversion rate because it takes too long to go through our bulky process. Got it. I like that. So align on methodology, align on processes, align on the handoff to make sure that the customer experience is fluid and synergistic and they don't feel like they're getting pushed and pulled and feel that disorganized process while they're going through the funnel. Yeah, that's spot on. Like when I worked in the ER, Alex, I was responsible for being uh, one of the first people a patient would see. They'd come into the ER and I would have to triage them, figure out how how big of a priority it is to get them a bed. Now, ERs chronically are full. This has to do with a lot of different laws that are going on, but I would always work and through the night shift, we would get all of our hallways filled with beds. And the problem with this flow is that we need to make sure that our customers do not feel like patients showing up to the ER. The patient flow would be, talk to me as the triage tech. I would ask what brings you in today. They'd explain what's going on. I'd take them back to the triage nurse. She would ask the same thing. Now we're going up the hierarchy in education, in um, experience. And so then once the triage nurse talks to them and realizes, is this chest pain due to a heart attack or is this chest pain due to some trauma that they had? Can this person live in the waiting room for a couple extra hours or is their life dependent on getting them back and started treatment right away? So the patient's experience would be getting asked the same question over and over and over. And what I realize is happening in the sales and marketing handoff is this customer can start to feel like that patient. They can feel like, hey, I came in with a demo request. I gave you this information about what I'm interested in. And now you're asking me some very basic questions that I already answered. And this is the, the fundamental struggle that a lot of sales companies have when they're trying to get this process right. I, I love it. I love it. You mentioned a whole bunch of stuff and I'm going to publish this as a core uh, answer. I'll publish it as an article as well. So we'll have all of that written out if you'd like to read later. Um, so let's go back to our hypothetical situation here. And in the hypothetical, there were a number of things causing potential issues that could be processed out that could be optimized. The first step is getting on the same page. This hypothetical company did not really have a lot of communication between sales and marketing because this was sort of a, a new team uh, being new VP of marketing marketing new VP of sales. So it's up to us to come in and make sure that that process is outlined in their strategy XYZ. So with regards to the overall setup, are there any specific points that you'd like to make or specific strategy with regards to how they can go about getting the handoffs, the meetings, the first steps, making sure that the system is set up correctly? Yeah. So I think in the hypothetical you set out before, the first thing that happens is marketing creates a new campaign marketing buys data, and then the respondents to the emails that marketing is sending out goes to the sales inbox. And I think fundamentally there is a, an interesting uh, debate that we can have. It's who should be writing these emails. Now, about 80% of my customers have sales development reps, SDRs, BDRs, all of them roll up into sales. 
but about 20% of my customers have them roll up into marketing. Now, the logic here is that marketing is responsible for creating awareness. They are responsible for educating the customer that there's a problem out there and hopefully triggering them to have an aha moment that a solution can help them solve it. Now, the SDR flow, they're responsible for helping the customer get educated and then hopefully want to talk to a sales professional. Now, within this conversation, we need to do some qualification, make sure that we're not passing through every lead. But a proper SDR and AE handoff should result into a conversion of about 95% of the meetings they hand over, sales accepts and says, this could be a great fit. So that is the fundamental issue of the, the hypothetical you brought up that I think we should unpack. The marketing campaigns versus the SDR campaigns. Who should do what to try and get the buyer through the journey? So Alex, what would you think that we do first? After you kind of get on the same page with who's going to be responsible for what? You know, where's the data going to come from? Who's the data provider? How you're going to procure that data? Where's where's it going to go? Is it going to go into the CRM first? Is it going to go into your cold outreach software first? And who's going to get access to that data when and where? And then copywriting, right? So um, I've been in situations where sometimes sales wants to be responsible for the copywriting because obviously it needs to align with what the SDRs and the AEs are saying during the demos. That's very important. But I think more than anything, marketing and sales need to come together and uh, be sort of collaborative. Come up with the user journey map together. Come up with the definitions. And when sales and marketing, the handoffs occur with regards to the software. So the CRM will have a definition for prospect, a definition for nurturing, a definition for sold, a definition for churning, et cetera, et cetera. But who is responsible for what during each one of those phases? So this could be a CSV that you create, and this could be a mind map that you create, but you need to have, okay, here's step one in our process. We're going to procure some data. Here's what marketing has to do during that process. Here's what sales has to do. Now here's step six in the process where someone has booked a demo, they've gone through a demo, but they didn't close on the demo. What does marketing have to do at that point? What automations are occurring at that point? What does sales have to do at that point? making sure everybody's on the same page. So that's a good way to, good reason to create the visual, create the user journey map, and also create the repository of definitions of tasks for each person in the organization, starting with the head of sales, starting with the head of marketing, and then just on an ongoing basis, just to make sure you have general upkeep of that system, meet on it maybe once a month, make sure everybody's on the same page, bring the SDRs in, make sure that the SDRs are letting sales and marketing heads know where the communications are breaking. So if an SDR is getting a lot of people coming through the funnel that say, oh, I thought your software was this, turns out it's not, that's marketing's bad. Marketing has been putting out language that did not correlate to what the product actually did. I love what you said about getting everybody around the table and aligned on the process. I think that is so critical, is that marketing professionals like you, you know how to write emails at scale, but when you hire a brand new SDR and you say, hey, here's your territory, uh, here's all the leads I want you to go start working, they're gonna send out an email that can be complete garbage. But even worse than that, it can be marked as spam. And the problem with that is even if you get a 2% response rate, let's say you send out a thousand emails, 2% response rate, the SDR is gonna be so pumped they got 20 meetings. But the problem is that 98% of the people that you sent out probably got pissed off at your email. And so now you're scaling failure. People, especially in the B2B world, will not do business with you if you've burned them in the past. In the 
business to consumer world, I think we're more forgiving. I say, if I have a bad experience, you know, maybe in the future I'll do business again. But when it comes to B2B, if we burn a bridge, it's very hard to win that customer back. So I love what you said there. So I think that we should use that mindset when we talk about how should we follow up with demos. Um, and I think that's a direct um, in competition with doing a free trial. So Alex, is that a good place to take the conversation? Dan, I want to talk about real quick the prioritization of demo requests coming through. So this is a big issue, especially as you start getting a lot of attention. There's a lot of demo requests coming through your piping. There's a lot of ways that you can prioritize those. And there are a lot of steps that need to happen in that situation. Can you talk to everyone real quick about demo prioritization and prospect prioritization? Yeah, the issue that you're bringing up there is vanity metrics as well. We all get that little dopamine hit when we get a like on a picture we share or a response to an email that we send over. But it's not really about that. It's the impact that we can actually provide to that business. So if you're getting a response, but it ends up being a big waste of time, I love your focus on looking at the data and making better decisions and following through on what you think the results you're getting if it actually turns into business or revenue. That's exactly how to drive better sales and marketing alignment. I love it. I mean, I could talk for days about the issues that I've been involved in with regards to how the communication channels are set up. When marketing's running and it gets worse when marketing thinks they're doing a great job, I'm guilty of this too, where I'll spin up a campaign that is getting incredible conversion rates, incredible open rates. But what I don't realize is that a week later, two weeks later, my SDRs and my AEs are jam-packed with demo requests that are either filled with unqualified prospects or confused prospects, people that thought one thing when they came through the funnel, and now they're sitting in a demo for a software that doesn't do what they thought it did. So very important. You know what? It all comes down, unfortunately, to how we're motivated. And most salespeople are motivated or given measurements based on closed deals or meetings booked. And so the behavior that that pushes them to is making decisions that might not be best for the customer, but optimize their the revenue that they can make. So the problem that we see with a lot of these shared mailboxes is the ability for people to pick and choose. But just like our customers, salespeople want to be treated fairly. And so I think the biggest thing that we need to come up with as a company, as leaders, is making sure that our sales professionals are held accountable to doing the work that we want to do and that everybody gets equal access to the same types of leads. So coming up with some routing, traditionally it was all territory-based. Historic, uh, now we don't need it to be territory because a lot of us have inside sales teams that can call across the country, across the globe. So a better way of dividing the leads would be looking at who the persona is. So making sure if decision makers are coming in versus initiators or influencers, we can prioritize those leads differently so that everybody gets equal access to uh, a great potential lead that comes in through the door, but also has to work the leads that may need a little bit more education before they convert over into a meeting or a sales opportunity. So the best flow to do this is make sure that our lead scoring that we have aligns well to the target audience that we think we're trying to attract. Because when you have a beautiful and great solution, there are gonna be more people knocking on your door than could be good fits. So just because they want to buy your solution does not mean it's a good use of a sales professional's time to get on the phone with them. 
there's some automation we need to do through lead scoring, either on sales automation, marketing automation, LinkedIn, lots of different sources. I know you even mentioned before, uh, we could use Clearbit. Now, I think there's a lot of resources you have in your other podcasts and information that can really help define that, but it really comes back to how people are motivated and treating everybody fairly. Let's say hypothetically, everybody is on the same page. Marketing and SDRs and uh, the sales team have come together and everybody is in alignment with what's going on on the marketing side and qualified demos are coming through. Now, the system that's in place in our hypothetical is not ideal. They're all going into a general sales inbox. Obviously, they have a CRM. They may be going into the CRM, but for some reason, they are pulling leads out of the general sales inbox. And then maybe either the VP of marketing or someone in sales is controlling the communication with people through this general sales inbox. Obviously not ideal. Is there a better system that you'd recommend? Mention just a couple quick best practices to kind of get that system unraveled into a better process. We have seen some amazing results with chat. I love that you brought this up. This conversational marketing is, I think, a real game changer because at the very start of this podcast, we talked about how when someone, a customer comes in with a demo request, they're hot, they're ready to talk. They want to share what is going on and how to solve problems. Chat helps remove a lot of that friction on submitting a form, waiting for a callback, and not knowing when that customer will actually come through. So chat has been revolutionary to a lot of the customers we work with, because even when you're off hours and you have a fun little AI bot that you could talk to that might be able to point you in the right direction, people still like engaging because that bot will come back to you very quick. Now, just yesterday, I'm planning to go on a European trip and I had some struggles paying for a train ticket. So they have a chat option and I went on there, requested chat. I'm ready to talk, ready to get my purchase through. And there was a delay. You are number one in queue. No estimate on time. So I'm waiting there five minutes. You know, I keep that window up and it's really frustrating to me. So then, you know, I get distracted. I do something else, another tab. And then like, oh, I should go check on the tab. I realized that the chat person came up there and was like, hello, and that's all they said. And then they disconnected. So if I wanted to talk again, I had to wait in line. And again, another awkward five, 10, 20 minutes waiting. So for me, it was a really bad experience. But if they had an AI bot built in there that could point me in the right direction or give me an estimate, hey, we'll reach back out to you in two minutes, then I would know when to pay attention. So I think there is a right and wrong way of using chat. But when people start using it, they're going to start conversations much better with where their customers live. Showing on screen clear bits. I'll show on screen real quick. Uh, Sales Wings app, which I have not used. I've used clear bit, but these guys are making waves for just making sure that the right prospects are being uh, contacted and scored correctly. Uh, most CRMs will have a prospect scoring, if not um, at a certain price point, especially. Um, so make sure that's in place. Make sure that system is working so that account executives are all getting the distribution of round robin, et cetera, of quality leads in the right, you know, in the right way. So everybody's happy. Keep your salespeople happy. Revenue will be going up and to the right. Now, uh, lead attribution, that's one of the major steps in this whole process. In our hypothetical they didn't have lead attribution. People were coming in at replies to campaigns. People were coming in via uh, the demo request form on site. But once it hits an SDR's desk, they are not going to have a lot of data around where that lead came from. So I'll just talk real quick and we don't have to dive in deep. But Make sure your attribution system set up. Have your engineers create visible fields in the form on the site. Uh, visible fields can pass data like UTM parameters, the source 
where that lead came from, the medium, the URL for where that demo request was submitted. And that's in the certain circumstances, you may have different pages on the site that have different ways for people to sign up for a demo. It's important to know where those leads came from. And you can then back scoring into that and say, okay, give people that come from Facebook a higher score than people that come from LinkedIn whatever, or vice versa. So make sure attribution's in place, give your account executives and SDRs more automation around how to score those leads and prioritize them. Now, alerting sales, this is important too. There's apps like Zapier, Troops, um, you can do Slack integrations. You wanna notify people in the right way at the right time to do the right actions. So another use case for this is when someone's browsing your site, let's just say they're in your funnel in some way, meaning they're in a outreach campaign, whatever it is, you wanna notify your SDRs when that person is browsing certain pages on your site. You can do that with a lot of CRMs and I can show some that do it in particular for low cost. So you wanna do those sort of actions, those sort of automations to make sure that sales and marketing are doing best possible job and creating the best possible potential for closing those prospects. Do you have any experience pros or cons with chat? I think you have Drift on your site or Intercom to kind of facilitate the pre-qualification process and also help close people that are on the site. What is your experience with chat? Yeah, no, Harold, Harold is amazing. He really helped architect this and has created an amazing experience for our customers. And I think that what we brought up before and probably a good conclusion to what we've been talking about in general is there is a right and wrong way of doing things. When you're talking about sending out email campaigns, email is a great way to start conversation, but it's not a silver bullet. Not all emails are created equal. So if you start spamming people, they're going to hate it. If you have a chatbot with a bad experience, they're going to hate it. But when you nail it, when you start thinking about what would the customer like to engage with, it's amazing. And I had some friends over this weekend and they were telling me about an issue that they had with a, a pet supply store called Chewy that they were expecting some food to come. Uh, FedEx didn't deliver it on time. They went on chat and literally within 20 seconds, that person responded in a very thoughtful way. So it looks like you uh, got this. I saw that it was supposed to be delivered yesterday, did not come. And then said, well, we sent that out. Priority, you'll get it tomorrow. But may I ask, do you have any food right now to feed your pet? And I thought, wow, that's an amazing question to follow up with. That support rep is taking to the next level. What is going on? Not just not delivering services. And it resulted in that support staff suggesting, if you need food, please go buy it at the store and we will reimburse you. Completely out of their system, but focused fully on a great customer experience. And her telling me that story now makes me want to be a customer. I haven't bought anything from them yet, but I know when I need to make my next purchase, I will go there. And creating that type of viral customer engagement where your customers want to talk to potential prospects, that is the dream. Now, marketing, sales, customers, we're all aligned on solving problems and getting impact. I think that's a perfect place to conclude. You've nailed everything. I've shown a good example of when chat can be successful on your website. So this is perfect. I love the Chewy example. Chat allows you to really dive into the customer's needs at that moment. Uh, use some of the technology of today. Use the Drift bot if you have Drift. Check out Intercom. Dan, thank you so much for the time. Winning by Design is an amazing resource if you are in the situation where you need sales coaching, training, all that good stuff. So check it out. Dan, anything else to leave them with? Where can they find you? What you uh, suggest they do now? 
Love it. Thanks, Alex. It's been a pleasure talking through you. I love sharing some insight on LinkedIn. Probably the easiest way to find me. Just look me up, Dan Smith. Maybe it's hard to find based on that name. So add in winning by design. You'll see a lot of content there. We love posting videos, blog posts, a lot of free resources to get started. So thank you. Look forward to talking to you again soon.